0: I'm standing in an empty car park on a frigid mid-January evening. With me is my producer, Nikki, who I've roped in to help me tie up some loose ends. Over the course of the last eight episodes, I finally solved the mystery of how a cosmic warning broke onto British television. This is the voice of Prima, representative of the Ashton Galactic speaking to you. Underneath that distorted alien voice is the human voice of Bob Tomalski. Keep stepping to the sounds of radio Invicta. That's us. At the time, he was a prolific broadcast pirate, but later became a tech journalist.
1: It's a gadget guru deluxe. It is Bib
2: Bob Tomalski.
0: The gadget guru. With a bit of luck, and a lot of obsession, I stumbled my way to the truth, and finally broke the 45-year-old radio silence. While the lost story of the interruption has been told, there is so much additional material that didn't make it into the final edit, from hidden audio, bizarre stories, and another interruption. I've been waiting for a good excuse to share these apocryphal details and I think I've just found it. A few weeks after the last episode went out, I received a message from a listener, Adam Jennings. He told me that he enjoyed the series, and that I got the culprit and his motivation spot on. You see, being good mates with Bob, Adam already knew. In fact, he knew this whole time. Over our messages, Adam shared new details of the story with me. Things that even I hadn't heard about. It was becoming clear that I had to meet him. Just as well, a silver Ford has rolled up beside us. My mum warned me never to get in a car with strangers. Good thing she isn't here.
1: Hi. I'm good, how are you? It's lovely to meet you. I'm Nikki.
0: I'm Tommy Trelawney. the Interruption A podcast from Stack. Episode 9. Epilogue. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, we got the recorder just stuck on. Uh, I think start from the beginning. Yeah. We're
0: in Adam's flat and are setting up the recording equipment. He's over in the kitchen, making um, us tea. I? No, not for me, just
1: for
2: me. Yeah, milk. not for me, I uh, I started listening to pirate broadcasts, and sometimes there were recordings, and sometimes I wouldn't want to stay up, so I'll just put mm. the tape on, record something, and then maybe listen to it later. Yeah. Well, I've done this quite a few times, and I had this one cassette that I'd totally forgotten about. It was about six months after the broadcast went out that I actually played it back and it was Bob he was doing a little uh, broadcast and he said if anybody wanted to help here's my number 6460694 give it a call and uh
1: yeah oh my god that's amazing I
2: still remember (laughs) it yeah I phoned it up I thought why not Mm -hmm. and he answered and he said yeah we're thinking of doing a, a little radio station do you want to help so I popped down, met him, um, he showed me his plays, showed me the uh, uh, things he had done before, told me about Radio Invicta, and, and that's how it started. Adam's apartment is full of stuff. Old collectibles,
0: trinkets, and bits of refurbished tech. On one side of the room are shelves of sci-fi memorabilia. From Matrix figurines, Kung Fu. to a replica lightsaber. <laughs> On the other side of the room, where Nikki is sat, it's full of radio equipment. Various stereos and speakers, gadgets that had apparently belonged to Bob. The room was a combination of sci-fi and radio
2: history. Done in a way, so you're because you're actually sitting on the subwoofer.
0: Much yeah, like this podcast, that I was, suppose.
2: I've I, I definitely playing Bob for all of that.
0: Perhaps unsurprisingly, Adam was a former radio pirate.
1: Yeah. What year was that that you um, that His
2: story was, is like many we've met before. Oh, so that was about
1: 83, 84. And what age
2: were you? About 16. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> what you did so I had like... hair then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> that, so, why would I want to listen to the radio? Because I really yeah. didn't like most of the other music that was being played. So it didn't appeal to me. Having a chance to actually go, I could actually play the stuff that I like.
0: That's how you'll start, isn't it? Yeah. And Bob's was... Radio Victor was like soul and... Yeah, was, was that kind of your thing? It's no, like... that wasn't my thing. Uh, Dross. Disco Dross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist.
2: Why was he so, so into tech? Do you know? Uh, just you can't really describe that. That's something you're just kind of born with. Same reason why why do I... I'm still an engineer. I still like taking things apart. Is because I always did from a kid. And he was kind of the same. He was born that way. He just had a natural affinity for technology. And I wanted to understand, you know, not just seeing the box and, well, how does it work? Not that I turn it on and it does something. How does it do it? Who designed it? What makes that tick? And do the inquisitive mind as a typical engineer. Aside from the promise of more radio
0: anecdotes, why am I so interested in talking to Adam? The interruption is solved. I already know who was behind it. Bob Tomalski. His voice is an exact match to Vrilon's. This is the voice of Vrilon, representative of the edge-champ. Keep stepping to the sounds of radio Invicta. But there's one thing I am technically missing. A direct confession. In the last episode, I met with Laurie Hallett, the radio lecturer. He told me that Bob had once played him the audio of the incident. We're talking a long while ago, but I I, I was left with uh, with a strong impression that he was heavily involved in it. Now, a strong impression is fine, but it's too open-ended for my liking. Bob is sadly no longer with us, so all we have are the people he told. I want someone to tell me that Bob had openly confessed to it all, his big secret. That someone, I think, is
2: Adam. How did you hear about that? It's on me down the pub. (laughs) Yeah, simple as that. Down the next heading, Mitcham. We just talked about all different things because he was always he was into into amateur radio. Um, there was various things he used to get up to. He was like a, a hacker, but not quite nerdy with computers. He didn't really have a thing about computers. That wasn't his thing.
0: Yeah, because when I've been doing this, I basically had to interpret, like, why. Because I, for the longest time, I thought it was a genuine alien message from Spades. Yeah. And when he told you in the pub, did he
2: say why he did it? Why did he... Or well, knowing his character... Yeah, I did ask him. And that but that was it, because she can it's shits and giggles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. and, and it's almost like a Two
0: thumbs up. Your... You, you <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've spoken to people early in the investigation who actually mm. saw the instant live and they had no idea.
2: Yeah, I wish and... I would seen it. That would have mm. been quite hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Where did he get the idea to do it? Like I say, that's just being silly. You know, if it yeah, it's uh, it's the seventies, it's science fiction I mean, the bottom line is: is what do you broadcast? How uh, you know? It, it, do you do a sketch? Do you do uh, uh, you know a, a floating headlight? Not not Max Headroom? But obviously, Max Headroom didn't exist then, so yeah, yeah. You know, so the concept wasn't there. It was, uh, it's got to be something meaningful, otherwise it's a bit pointless. It's got to be believable to a degree, otherwise what's the point? And then the whole technical.
0: Finally, a confession on record. Bob Tomowski invaded the 5 o'clock news pretending to be an alien. The reason? As Adam succinctly puts it, shits and giggles. I still can't believe how simple that explanation is. This peaceful message urging humanity to love one another was just for a laugh. From what Adam's saying, the decision to make the interruption about an alien warning was pretty last minute. So yeah. the, the idea behind it is... You wanna hijack a station because you can. Yeah. So what are we gonna to do to fill the airtime? We yeah. got six minutes to play with. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. And but the message like I think cause you've listened to the podcast. Yeah. I have gone down this route and I can't tell you how sophisticated it is. Mm. Like beyond Star Wars and sci-fi, do you know he if he had any connection to these UFO religions? No.
2: Not at all. No. no. <laughs> he didn't really believe in any of that kind of rubbish. Uh, <laughs> Funny enough you mentioned about Yuri Geller. Uh, he thought he was a bit of a plonker. So to go into the airy, fairy, ethereal, woo-woo kind of stuff, that really wasn't him.: That's crazy. If yeah. I had
0: known that yeah.
2: about a year ago, you would I have, would have it. <laughs> yeah, But then you would have only had two episodes rather than six. <clears throat> Nine.
0: Makes her a better story. Even though it was an afterthought, care and attention went into making the alien message as plausible as possible there are so many groups that use the interruption as proof that extraterrestrials are in fact real, and know about us. One online movement from the Czech Republic, heavenlyangels.org, has a page dedicated to Vrillon's 1977 warning. The page contains an audio clip of the message, along with a theme tune for Ashtar Command. Connecting the interruption to UFO religions is an angle I explored thoroughly in the making of this podcast. But as you know, it didn't lead me to the final answer, and in hindsight, I was pretty far off. Because you you heard it from the person who did it. Yeah. This message, the audio has had such a history. UFO groups use it as proof that aliens are real. Yeah. And they use it to prove that their
2: religious beliefs. Yeah.
0: It's like. If you could see a photo of God or a yeah. selfie of God, yeah. this is that. I know for these yeah. groups. I
2: know they have it, this belief, and they're looking for a confirmation of that belief to justify. Yeah, mm. I mean, do so. Do you think that's in a way maybe why Bob did it? Because he made it so believable that I wonder if he did he
1: think that someone would believe
2: it. I don't. He didn't believe it himself. So, but do, do you yeah. think
1: he thought that someone who believed in something that he might not believed of? was then sitting at home, would see that and go, oh, my goodness.
2: It's I great. suppose in the corner of his mind, he might think that somebody would. Yeah. But it's it's just that you've got to do something. If you're going to mm. hijack the airwaves, you can't put nothing out. So he's got to do <laughs> something. So it's got to be funny. Yeah. And from his perspective, it was hilarious. You know, and, <laughs> and, if, and if people ended up believing it, it's even more funny. You know, if only they knew it was him putting a tape out yeah, And it's just some guy, Mitchum, having a little bit of a laugh after a few sherbets and thinking, yeah, this, this, is, this is a wide <laughs> And
1: did he tell you after or before he did
2: it? Oh, it was after. after.
1: Yeah. So did he yeah. do it by himself?
2: And that I'm not 100% so
1: There's a few people...
2: Although
0: hijacking like, the Southern Television Network was alarmingly simple, Bob was unlikely to have done it totally alone. There are a few people of interest I have reached out to. A number of times, but they haven't responded. Bob seemed pretty candid about sharing this amongst the pirates, who shared it to you. Yeah. Why
2: has this not, why has it taken 45 years for this to remain a secret? Because outside of your innate curiosity to find out about it, most people don't even know it happened. It's true. (laughs) It's a very, very obscure (laughs) thing. So, yeah, so nobody would be looking for something that they don't even know exists. Obviously, if it became a big thing and everybody knew about it, then everybody would start wanting to know more about it. But it didn't exist. It didn't happen. It was a brief five-minute thing in a small area of the UK that the government didn't even want to acknowledge existed, and it was dead and buried. So why did he stop the pirate stuff? Uh, when uh, they changed the rules and it became a criminal rather than a civil event. Okay. And then there was imprisonment, fines, confiscation of equipment where it was civil, it was a slap in the wrist to find, you would get imprisoned and you go off and do it again. And uh, so some of the pirates, they were earning money out of advertising. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, you would take, take the rig away or buy another one tomorrow. Yeah, but when it becomes more personal mm-hmm. and your livelihood's affected and you're going to prison, then it just wasn't worth it. And at that point, uh, he had just started getting into the journalism side of things. So that meant that if he did get arrested and did get prosecuted, he would obviously lose his job. And it was that side of his life was now starting to become uh, far more prominent than the radio side ever would. So having people find out about the interruption would have jeopardised his career? Yes. Yeah, at the time, obviously, when he was alive and he was still sort of going up the ranks and things like that. Did he ever get in trouble with the law? Because I remember you... yeah. What's what's the story? Um, I mean, all pirate stations have all been done at some point, have ended up at call, and then, you know, there's been a hearing and this, that, and the other. There was an incident, uh, he didn't explain too much about it, and it'll be for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but, um they were playing around with something to do with the military, uh, the, the, the British Navy, and something to do with codes on shortwave. I just yes. don't know exactly what they were up to. It was him and two friends that were involved in it. They did get taken to court. They nearly got imprisoned. Looks like Bob Tomalski took his
0: radio experiments a little too far. In his quest to push the limits, he attempted to interfere with military and naval communications. According to Adam, it landed him in court. Fortunately for Bob, he got away without a custodial sentence. Perhaps it's because these things are so difficult to actually prove. At least, that's what I've learned. So this is why Bob hung up his piracy boots. His career
2: as a tech journalist was taking off,
0: and the risk of being caught just wasn't worth the thrill anymore.:
2: But the weird thing is is though, because he's seen such a big thing for you, it was such a tight... I mean, you talked about it. <laughs> we, we mentioned it down the other it was a bit of a laugh, and, and kind of never really spoke about it again because. There was other things going on, you know, what, what? what show are we going to do, uh, which uh, place are going to use as a transmission point, or we just go down the pub and talk crap like normal human beings yeah. do. And it would be in the back of your head, you know, it happened, but you just don't really care about it. It yeah. wasn't important <laughs> to us. It was Because it, it had been done, the challenge had been met and it's off to the next challenge it doesn't matter about that anymore because that's already been done mm. <laughs> i love the idea that even for bob this was not a big deal huh. for me i've spent ages I, going. i, I, I years actually years. quite love how enthused and i just kind of think i've known this for years it's nothing i even really talk about to anybody because it was a thing that kind of happened it was fun it was hilarious yeah there was so <laughs> many other things that were hilarious and yeah mad and and for me, sitting here, yeah. like, oh, the
0: message is so deep. Yeah. It's a spiritual warning, maybe from a member of... Ben's and
2: that, that was the funniest thing of all, because there was none of that. It was just <laughs> like, because you can, because it's funny. I've just been overthinking this. This podcast yeah. is just me overthinking everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but it's great. What would have Bob thought about the interruption, the podcast being out, if he was here to He
2: would have loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh from the vantage point of the, yeah there's no consequences and he's not of this realm yeah. looking down at it yeah he he he'd love the fact that his legacy is still still going on people find it amusing yeah they kind of like the whole idea of the thing uh,
0: but I love that this is the yeah. destination of the story like yeah. it's it's just it's just so fun and yeah. weird and I, I would like to think that
2: yeah, Bob would enjoy it. I think, yeah. I think it's all sort of in line with. Because he's a prankster. Bob Nighthawk, that's what it he was. He's a prankster. Yeah. And uh, to, to see another generation of people still being pranked <laughs> by something that he did for yeah. shoots and giggles yeah. you know, 30, 40 years ago is actually yeah. the biggest joke of all.
0: Shortly after this, we wrapped up the interview. After I got the chance to take a photo of his Star Wars collection, Adam drove Nikki and I back to that frosty station car park. On the ride home, Nikki and I discussed that very last detail Adam mentioned.
2: Yeah. It wasn't important <laughs> to us. It was Because it had been done, the challenge had been met.
0: After the interruption was said and done, Bob probably wouldn't have given the whole thing much thought. Bob's alien hoax, the hoax that caused all that disruption and speculation just wasn't that big of a deal to him. He was a prankster. It's what pranksters do. For Bob Tomowski, the man behind the interruption, November 26, 1977 was just another day in the life of a broadcast pirate. The conversation with Adam was well worth braving the cold for, and provided a neat opportunity to tie up some loose ends. Over the course of researching a story as bizarre as this one, I stumbled upon so many unusual and intriguing details. But as interesting as they were, I didn't want to derail this podcast following every tangent that I found. Nikki had a fair share of apocryphal tidbits too. So, in the comfort and warmth of a recording studio, Should we, do it? we sat down Should we do it? and discussed...
1: We're just locking back. Everything. And it's absolutely mad.
0: And I've, I've roped you in here, uh, probably against your will, because <laughs> just doing this, there's so much that you come across. Weird details, things you find down the rabbit hole, and... I think it was a good decision not to include what we're going to talk about.
1: Uh, yeah, I I know why we did it. But even the things that didn't directly relate to the story are so interesting. Just
0: weird stuff. I think with a story like mm. this, it's a Venn diagram of sci-fi aliens. And yeah. then what we discovered, broadcast pirates. So mm. it's pretty bonkers. If you could spend more time in an area of doing this, like where would you be?
1: I really liked, and I know this is funny because I I really liked working with you for this reasons because you have so much knowledge on religion and I completely saw it in a new way now because I'm not religious myself but I completely understand the deeper meaning behind whether it's new age or old religions and I think that was so interesting considering it wasn't the right angle I probably wouldn't want to spend any more time there Mm. but I did find that so interesting and then I loved the online space of how interested people got in this and they just became like Obsessed, kind of like we did, and then I loved like reading all the different theories and everything that I loved that kind of side of things, but yeah,
0: in episode eight, right then we're in that pub and mm. we're looking through Reddit being like, oh my gosh, like the stories and the myths they probably do continue, even though like we have the answer, which is Bob Tomowski feels really great saying that mm. like there's something great about just the story and the mythology still continuing. I suddenly feel that like doing this it's A useful way to make my theology degree useful. And so (laughs) I've been very uh, lucky to be indulged in UFO religions. And I've learned a huge amount too. Like the word cult, like the C word. Mm. Like I probably going into this would have referred to UFO religions as UFO cults. And then speaking to like academics and professors that it's such a loaded term. It's such a word that can get weaponized. And I found that really fascinating. Yeah. So like... I guess learning a language. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think even we were saying like when we got to the end, like my background's in radio, like religion is your background. And it's so funny how both of us learned so much outside of our realms of what was like what we usually would have thought of. So like even that itself, like just because say, UFO religions are different doesn't mean they're bad. And then also, like, finding out so much more about, like, radio pirates and, like, it made me have such a newfound appreciation for the job that I do and being able, because that all started from people back then like that. It's just made me appreciate the societal change we've got to to be able to do something like this. Like, who would have thought, like, years ago people were fighting if they were, like, a person of colour, they were fighting to be heard on the radio. And now we're two young people who can make a podcast about aliens and all this other stuff, that it's amazing that we get to do this opportunity. And I think that's one thing, like, everyone we've met throughout the whole process of it was so nice.
0: And these people are history makers, especially Mm. in that radio pirate world. All of them, they were doing stuff which was illegal at the time, but they were paving the way for two people in a recording studio to talk about aliens and Mm. radio history. Something that, just reminded what you were saying there, was... My background has been studying religions, yours Mm. has been in radio. Again, it's that Venn diagram, but I think we're a good team, especially in in episode three, Vrillon told me that my producer i.e you nikki you humanize things and i actually found that that turned out to be true i don't know if Rillon knows something <laughs> yeah, that i don't yeah, yeah. but i definitely found in writing the scripts you kept on being like oh and say how you're feeling say how you're feeling yeah. So i just want to throw facts onto mm. a page but um so yeah you, you definitely humanized the project a lot more
1: <laughs> i remember when he did say that and i was a bit like my i remember my eyes i was like my face i was like you are just an absolute bank of knowledge and you help me understand that and then I help it go out. And then we were both just saying, we were like, okay, that was weird.
0: It's a bank of knowledge, but not super useful. <laughs> Much like this this next thing. Okay, so early on to doing this, I came across another interruption. And this is something that I just couldn't justify including, but it's fascinating. And it's basically one of the reasons to have this little bonus episode to talk about this. Okay. Um, There are other messages from space, quote-unquote, or aliens, Uh, from Brazil in the 80s and 90s. There were two broadcast interruptions on Brazilian radio, and I think it was around Sao Paulo. You know, I'll I'll just play the first one. This is on the 4th of December,
1: 1989. (laughs)
0: You can barely make out the person speaking and it doesn't help us in Portuguese. But what do you think of that?
1: That's just, it's mad to me that this has happened like in more than one place. But that doesn't sound far off from the interruption. Like the same tones, you can tell they're saying it with the same kind of conviction.
0: It plays out in a very similar way. I should mention that fortunately I've uh, used Google Translate and the help of a Uh, a transcript so the message itself you can barely hear out in the audio but the message is ashtar commander of the fleet of men from space issues a message of clarification and are coming to free people who are imprisoned in their cage of flesh this could be google translate to be fair but it's the same sort of message and it goes on for 17 minutes and it's the stuff about spiritual awakening Ashtar Command, really specifically, and fears about nuclear weapons. All these things this Portuguese vrillon is chatting about. I came across this, oh, this is like really down the rabbit hole. It was on a French article talking about this Portuguese incident. Mm -hmm. And when I came across it, it made me believe oh my gosh there's a conspiracy going on yeah like another ashtar message from the 80s and 90s on bananas yeah
1: surely just like we were down the rabbit hole or whichever like word travels like could we say considering that this was the first interruption in the uk do we think that this is all because of what pop did in 1977
0: See, that's the question. The, the actual, that message is so similar.
1: This like, is what I'm saying. That, and it's, what, 10 years later?
0: It, it's not it's not inconceivable. You know, there's so little on this. We actually get the tape from a guy called Francisco Abos Salvador, who wrote a book called Message from Ashtar, Extraterrestrial Alert in 2000. And that's kind of, he's the guy who looked into this. But I I, I do think either these are people that believed in UFO religions mm. or after the journey we've been on it's probably a hoax <laughs> I-
1: the thing is it's funny because we we chatted about this with adam and even with like you know, the aetherius society and i think sometimes like people are looking for something to justify their beliefs to an extent and i think bob's message was believable we believed it that if people who also believed in ufo religions heard that or heard word of mouth about it they might be like, oh, my God, this did happen. OK, I want people to also believe in this. I'll maybe tell a white lie and construct a message and put it out and maybe they'll get more followers.
0: Yeah, it, it's a bit like a like a self-fulfilling thing. Like um, speaking to Michael Rothstein in episode two, he yes. was saying it's a very pious fraud. Mm. You, you, you do it, you know, on behalf of the aliens. And then that clip, much like the Vrillon one in the 70s, that gets used by religious groups as evidence that their gods exist aliens are speaking and well in this case it's bob which i mm. I, I i mean i've already mentioned but it, it it was such a u-turn crazy thing that it was none of these religions stuff at all and especially hearing this thing from brazil i thought the reason we didn't include it was just it would super complicate things yeah. it would involve a flight so if there are you know listeners specifically portuguese speaking listeners who want a ufo (laughs) crazy thing to do look into this um it's really fascinating it
1: is funny to think that like you know we just don't know but someone could have something similar to the interruption looking into that in brazil and we just don't know
0: well that in episode three um stardog said you know we only hear about things because they're in english Mm. the internet is largely you know well i mean the one we see is in english so Mm. there are undoubtedly you know, these interruptions just in languages that mm. you know aren't available to us and, and this is an example of it
1: yeah and I think it is one thing where, what what got me is when you said that they said Ashtar as well because how much did that word? like we were thinking about it we were reading manuscripts mm. like we were reading everything trying to see what other people said and then there's other people in, doing the same thing as Bob did using the same like group that's just a bit like oh wow like you know it's, it's it crazy really,
0: it, and it is stuff like this like when you don't have an answer like you just want to believe oh it's aliens Mm -hmm. aliens did this it must be
1: (laughs) me Uh, and tommy always said that if we didn't find out who did it we'd be like oh well it's fine we can just say it was cosmic intelligence intelligence.
0: (laughs) where do you lie on the spectrum do you believe that there are aliens out there do you think they visited us or are you pretty much like we are totally alone
1: i think i think Throughout this podcast, and I did, I think it would be naive, completely naive to say we're totally alone, whether we have like people or not people, like other types of um, beings, shall we say, that are as intelligent as us or able to communicate in the same way as us, that I don't know. So I think like we're all products to a point of our circumstance that if we ever did meet aliens... They could talk completely different. They'll look completely different. There'll be a completely different stage of evolution to us. That I think, if anything, like talking to Mia Frothingham, the TikToking scientist, like she was just saying, it's, you know, it's chance, luck and timing. And all we can do is keep looking. And I think it's amazing that we're still looking. But I think if someone told me tomorrow that we've made contact with Alien Life and they've actually like you know, we can meet them, I would be so flabbergasted. It doesn't seem like something that will happen in our lifetime.
0: Yeah. Well, there are incidents where it might have happened. Mm -hmm. So actually 1977 was a really big year for like uh, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Scrap the whole, you know, Southern television interruption. There was another radio signal called... Have you heard of something called the Wow Signal?
1: Yes, I have. I have.
0: On the 15th of August 1977, Mm. the Big Ear Telescope in Ohio, which is sort of looking for like radio signals from outer space, got this really sharp, sudden signal, really strong. Mm -hmm. It could be traced from the constellation Sagittarius. So something was going on in Sagittarius, a beam of radio wave got to earth and you know there's a sort of a, a paper transcript of that signal and someone writes wow because it's just this astonishing spike in activity and people who sort of astrobiologists and people look into this they might hold this up as like oh yeah this is an intelligence making connection with us and you know It could be that. It also could be uh, like a comet or a supernova, you know, radio waves. But I like the idea that to hijack southern television, you'd also need to use radio waves Mm -hmm. and how to understand how that works. And in the same year, Earth got some sort of radio signal from the stars.
1: And I think it's funny because I always bring this back to Bob and the fact that that happened in August of that year. And then Bob did his alien themed transmission in november like he knew what he was doing he he was an ultimate prankster do you know what i mean like it's so interesting that he played on that
0: yeah 77 was a big year it was star wars it was that wow signal also um we tried to contact aliens have you heard of the voyager golden disc
1: yes and the little boy's voice (laughs) hello from the children of planet earth
0: It's a disc full of basically messages from us Earthlings in every different language. That is Nick Sagan, who's Carl Sagan's son. He's a famous um, uh, sort of science communicator. And it's sort of sounds of Earth, pictures of Earth, pictures of people eating to show how we like consume. (laughs) And at the moment, it's Voyager 1 and 2, because they have two versions of this disc, are the furthest man-made objects from our home planet. They're out there beyond the solar system at this point. And I love the thought that they're just this remnant, this souvenir that we humans once existed. Mm. Um, And it's got a record, quite literally, of us just summed up into a golden disc. And it'd be amazing to think that that will land on some sort of faraway planet and the aliens will have a little record player. Yeah, just on hand. <laughs> and they can sort of listen to people saying hi, not knowing on Earth what is going on, literally on Earth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was not intentional. Um,
1: and I think that was one really nice side of doing this podcast was getting to look into all of that because it's yeah. kind of something that, you know, I always say like, I'm quite small and I I never look up. And I think yeah. you just need to look up and realise that you're, the world is so much bigger than you
0: just the unfathomable size of the universe is it puts you into perspective and it's quite frightening but also it's really exciting yeah and it will be awesome to know that we're not alone that's probably a question that might not get answered in our lifetimes if ever but yeah. hey it's fun to dream yeah
1: a hundred percent
0: but yeah i mean now that we're at the end of it how are you feeling
1: Do you know what? Going into this, it was obviously something or an area that I wasn't well versed in. And I think coming out of it, the story became amazing. We got pranked.
0: We got pranked, Bob.
1: Yeah, like we got pranked. It was a double prank. But I also think that this story really opened up other avenues and other thought processes for me and even for listeners. All of these big things And these big questions, we mightn't get answered, but I think it's really important to keep asking them and to keep looking into them and to keep, like, keeping your mind open. I really, honestly, couldn't have had a better time making the show and having such a nice ending to it, getting the final answer of who was behind it, getting that bow was just... Mm. The perfect way to wrap it all up so yeah even if yeah. the
0: bow is not the bow you're expecting yeah it was not
1: the bow we were expecting <laughs> but hey
0: bow's a bow exactly yeah, yeah i um the thing i've really liked is um looking at the wikipedia page because mm-hmm. that's where i discovered the story and then since the podcast has gone out there's an ongoing sort of war on the edits people are, like sticking the name in then other people who haven't seen the podcast are taking it off mm-hmm. and i quite enjoy checking up is Bob on there? Is he not on there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice for him <laughs> is- permanently to have his place on that Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah,
1: we've solved it.
0: And I had great fun doing it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I just it such a delight. It and, has. Um, yeah, thank you viewers for listening. I've loved hearing from you. And yeah, if you enjoyed it, um, give us a rating and word of mouth sharing. Um, it'd be great to, to have this podcast heard by as many people as possible. And it's just been such a fun thing to make. And I'm looking forward to the next crazy story. And cut. <laughs> the Interruption is a Stack production, written and presented by me, Tommy Trelawney. It was produced and co-written by Nikki Anderson. Sound design by Tom Wally. Executive production for Stack came from Luke Moore, Charlie Morgan and John Teague.